you are listening to Ideas and Leaders podcast. I'm Elena Paventa, Executive Communication Coach and TEDx Organizer. With each episode, I'll share with you communication tips and ideas from top business leaders to help you excel in your career. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the next episode of Ideas and Leaders podcast. Today, I have a great guest, and I'm speaking with Brian Clayton. He's a CEO and co-founder of GreenPal. It is an online marketplace that connects homeowners with local loan care professionals. So it is kind of an Uber for loan care. And I'm super excited to speak with Brian today about his experience about starting a tech startup. Hi, Brian. Thanks for having me on. It's great to be here. So Brian, how did you start GreenPal? Is it your, was it your first startup or uh, did you have any entrepreneurial experience before? Yeah. So uh, GreenPal is the Uber for lawn mowing. You're a homeowner. You need to get your grass cut. You push a button. Somebody shows up and mows your yard. It, but it works in the United States, coast to coast, in every city in the United States. Uh, GreenPal is a nine-year overnight success. My two co-founders and I have been working on the business for almost a decade and just figuring out little by little on how to build the product, how to get the marketplace going. And one thing that we really had that was kind of a, I guess you could say a secret weapon was that we were solving our own problem. Before GreenPal, I actually had a landscaping company. I started mowing grass as a way to make extra money in high school school and in college and just stuck with that little lawn mowing business uh, for 15 years, eventually uh, building that business to over 150 employees, getting it over $10 million a year in revenue. And in 2013, the company was acquired, uh, sold it, and, uh, and I retired. And after I sold that company, I got bored and I thought, well, what now? What am I going to do now? And I thought, well, now I'll just start the Uber for lawn mowing. I'll start a tech startup. And uh, it was very much like naivete as an asset. Like I didn't know what I didn't know. But uh, my co-founders and I started working on the product. And here we are 10 years later. And we have a good marketplace going, doing over $30 million a year in revenue in the United States and soon to expand into Canada, UK, and Australia. So that's 20 years of entrepreneurship and kind of one industry, very much in the, in the industry for a while. And now I'm building the tech to make the industry run smoother. And I think one takeaway I would, I would like take a, like I would learn from it is that it helps to solve your own problem. So if you're going to start a tech startup, if you can solve a problem that you've experienced in the real world, that can help put you like uh, in a second or third level, rather than just trying to figure it out when you don't even know what you're trying to innovate in. Wow, that sounds like great success. And I think that many young entrepreneurs who are just starting, when they're looking at uh, big companies that are successful in the market they think that oh i will never be like that i don't have money to invest and they have uh, all of those thoughts that are stopping them from making the first step so what would you recommend for uh, those young entrepreneurs who maybe don't have a lot of money to invest and they are just making their first steps how to start with uh, with a tech startup with a new tech startup yeah i think a lot of uh the grind and the hard work of starting a business 
comes down to expectations. And so when you're just getting into maybe even thinking about starting a business, you look at all of these huge successes and you expect that maybe you could do that in a year or two or three years. When in reality, you look at these huge successes and they've actually been at it for five years, maybe six or seven years. And maybe that founder crashed and burned on two or three other ideas before they started that one. And, and maybe they did have a business before that and in another business before that. And you're really looking at like 10 or 20 years in most cases than you are two or three years. So my first piece, piece of advice is to like reset it and understand that it's not to a two or three year or four or five year thing. It's a five, 10, 20 year thing. And you need to get started now because it's going to take time. It's going to take a, it's going to take a, a, a five or 10 years to get something going. So that's the first piece of advice. Second piece of advice is that it can help like in base, like I come from America and in America, we have American baseball. And so there's like four, there's first, second and third and fourth base. And so try to get on first base and, uh, and, and, and rather than trying to like hit a grand slam or a home run, like, like get to first base and first base might just be a simple business. It, it could be, uh, it could just be like a, like a beauty salon or a home cleaning service or a, or a lawn mowing service. Like what I had, um, it doesn't have to be this huge thing. Um, if you can just start a simple business, you know, make, you know, uh, you know, 50, 100, 100 K a year doing that, you'll learn 80 or 90% of what goes into getting a business going just with that simple business. So my advice is understand that it's not a two or three year thing. There are no overnight successes, literally none. Um, understand that you need to get into the game and your ticket into the game might just be a smaller, simpler business, get that done, maybe get that sold or get some money saved up and then go for the bigger thing. Um, Another piece of advice I'll give is like, if you don't have access to capital, um, you know, like you can either be waiting or you can be creating. And so, so it's like, you know, oh, I don't have access to capital. So I'm waiting maybe in, so I can pitch investors. I get a lot of people that hit me up. Like, how do I pitch investors? When in fact, you don't even, you don't need to worry about pitching investors. You need to worry about like building a product or getting a business going, getting 10 customers, do that. Uh, you're, because either you're waiting or you're creating the more time you can spend creating the closer it gets you to like getting to where you're trying to be. So spend less time worrying about pitching investors, spend less time worrying about raising capital, spend more time worrying about creating some kind of product or service to getting like 10 or 15 or 20 customers, because then you'll learn, you'll learn what it's going to take to get to the next level. So spend less time thinking and planning more time doing. Yes, yes, I love I love that you say that we don't have to worry about looking for investors. I think that this is the problem of many startups. In the beginning, they are kind of blocking themselves. They are not acting because they say, okay, I can't find, I don't know how to pitch investors. And then I don't have a product to show to investors. So I don't see the way out. In fact, when they can do the minimum viable product and just uh, get a couple of customers are doing this. But anyway, at some point when we, we start with this MVP and we, we start um, developing our product, at some point we need to 
to grow. So what are your lessons learned and what would you recommend to tech entrepreneurs, how to grow a tech startup? What are the next levels? Yeah. Um, one quick point, uh, even like MVP, like there's a level before MVP and that might even be getting in the trenches and hand cranking, whatever it is. Like I, I, I mentor a guy that is starting a, uh, uh, a software product that pizzerias use that small pizza shops use. And before he even made an MVP, he spent six months working for Domino's, uh, pizza hut, uh, Papa John's is a famous chain in the United States. Uh, every pizza chain he could to learn how the pizza business worked from the inside out. Then he made his MVP. Then after his MVP, he started to develop an actual product. So it's like everybody thinks that they skip the MVP process and go straight to the product development process. There's actually two levels before that. There's like literally the experiential wisdom as to how does this industry work? Where is the, the, where is the gaps where technology can make it run smoother then a prototype, then develop the actual product. Let's say you do all of those things right. And let's say you have an MVP uh, that might, you maybe you built with some low code or no code thing, and maybe you've got 20 customers or 100 customers. Now you're ready to try to, to try to get more people to use it, go from 100 to 1,000 customers. That's, a, that's another level of the video game almost. And, and uh, the way I like to look at entrepreneurship is almost like a video game, you know, whether it be Super Mario Brothers or Mario Kart or whatever. It's like, look at it like 10 levels of a video game and, and just do everything you can get to get from one level to the next. And so maybe you got through level one, maybe you got an MVP, maybe you got 12 customers, 20 customers, 30 customers. Now you want to get to a hundred and a thousand, you really focus everything you can to get, to get to that next stage. And so a lot of times you're, you're looking at, okay, well, how did we get the dozen? And, and let's look at what worked to get those people in and let's talk to them. Let's, let's reduce all of the friction that, that, that stands between us and them. And let's like make it really easy for them to speak to us. So I'm gonna put my cell phone number on every email. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually call them on the phone and say, hey, you know, I noticed you 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 tried our product last week. What did you think about it? Like literally, like you're not gonna hurt my feelings. It's going through those motions of that customer feedback is what's going to get you to level three or four and learning from how they found you, uh, what they expected the product or service to do, what they wish it would do, where you let them down where you made them happy, would they recommend it to a friend? How do they normally find this service? Like the answers to all those questions is what gets what is what gets you from 10 to 100 from 100 to 1000 customers. Then from 100 to from 1000 to 10,000 customers, that's a totally different playbook. But if you're trying to get to 1000, really really the the answer is reduce and remove all of the friction in between you and your customers and talk to them as much as possible because they will tell you how to get to a thousand. Yeah, talking to, to our customers even before uh, starting, uh, before taking our product to the market is right. crucial, right? We need to actually ask them. I think that this is also a challenge for many people because we are 
kind of afraid of feedback and we are afraid that someone uh, the, the, our product is our baby and yep. we are we think that this is perfect for us we yep. worked on it for so long and then someone will say that oh this is wrong it doesn't work and yep. uh, also this is stopping us from uh, asking other people so what do you think what should we do better and uh, we are just asking what did you like about our product and that's it. And I think that we need to, to get over this step, right? Oh, I mean, you're going to have to, if you're going to, if you're going to build a new product from scratch. And that's one of the things you'll learn really early on is, is that one of the most humbling things you can do is start a new business because the marketplace doesn't care who you are, doesn't care where you went to school, doesn't care what your family heritage is. It's going to tell you where you suck. It's going to tell you where you let them down. And, and the marketplace does not care one way or the other. So you want to do something that's humbling with your life, start a business from scratch, because it's really going to give you the feedback that you need to, to lead this business forward. And, and the other thing I'll say is like, you would think this would go without saying, talk to your customers. Well, that's the best advice you can give. But like you said, we're as human beings, we're resistant to seek that out because it does hurt. It will hurt your feelings. Uh, it, it's like you spent six months or a year building this thing and somebody tells you it's a piece of crap and you're like, well, you don't know how hard I worked on it. The reality is they don't care. It didn't solve their problem and you have to get over that and, and don't feel bad. Like there's, there's two books, uh, the lean startup, which is like the Holy Bible of, of tech startups. And the, and the predecessor to that is a book called the startup owner's manual, uh, startup owner's manual is by Steve blank. Lee startup is by, by Eric Reese. And these are gurus in the game. And these two or three or four or five books that these guys wrote, uh, thousands of pages of, of, of texts, you can basically boil it down to one thing and it's get out of the building and go talk to your customers. And, and like, it took, it took 2000 pages to beat into our heads that that's, that is that critical that you speak to your customers, especially in the early days, because that's the only like way forward that you have. That's the only guiding light that you have through the darkness of trying to figure out what the heck it is you're doing. And so if you're not willing to do that, uh, and you're just kind of like operating on assumptions and you're building something maybe that you like as the founder, but customers aren't going to like, and if they don't like it, then, you, then you're dead on arrival. You don't have a business. Yeah. So let's repeat those startup owners manual and lean startup, right? Those are the two books that you recommend. Let's uh, recommend them to our listeners. We will put it in the show notes. Uh, those are great books to, to read if you're developing your startup right now. And Brian, I wanted to ask you also about your journey. Did you face any challenges on the way? And what were your biggest challenges in uh, building and scaling a business? Every day, you know, it is, is, was, and is a challenge. You know, every level of the game was a challenge. We, we had a big challenge in the early days. Uh, you know, we had this product that we built and we could not get 
anybody to use it. So the challenge then was I need 50 people to use this thing so I can then learn from them. And, and the way we overcame that challenge was we passed out flyers like door hangers all over uh, the city that we live in Nashville, Tennessee in the United States. And then, and then after that, there was an, there was another set of challenges. It was okay. Now I've got a hundred customers. I want to get to a thousand, but these hundred people are telling me over and over and over again, this is where I'm letting them down. You know, they would hire a lawn mowing service and the guy wouldn't show up or they would hire a guy and he'd show up and he'd do a terrible job or they would hire a guy and he'd show up, but he'd change the price or they would hire a guy and he'd show up, but his lawnmower was too big to fit inside the fence. Like those are like seven things out of a hundred that went wrong. And so, and so then we were listening to everything they were telling us to make the product better and better and better and better and until we could kind of grind our way to a thousand, you know, as we speak right now, there's 300,000 people using the app. And so now today we have a much different set of challenges. It's like, now my challenges are how do I hire the best developers? How do I recruit the best growth engineers? How do I recruit the best data scientists? How do I recruit the best uh, conversion rate optimization testers? How do I, these are very different problems at level metaphorically eight or nine than I faced at level two or three. The, the, the point is, is that as you're going through the, the levels of the game, the challenges get harder and harder and harder, and there's a different dragon to slay at the end of every level. Um, but there's always going to be challenges. Um, it, you know, and as the leader, as the founder, it's your job to 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 navigate that. I, and in my country, uh, we had a guy by the name of Colin Powell, who was a a very well respected statesman, uh, was a former Secretary of State and and the former like general of all of our military. He recently he died yesterday, and uh, I was a guy that I respected my entire life. And one thing that he always said was, the day that you quit seeing problems, the day that that your people quit bringing you problems, is the day that you are no longer leading them. And I, I really like that, and I think that applies to leadership management founding a business, the day you quit having problems is the day that you're not in the game anymore. You're always going to have challenges. You're always going to have problems. Yes. I think that this is a great quote by Colin Powell, that this is not so much about the final result. It is a lot also about the journey itself, right? That uh, how we get there, how we solve problems, uh, how we find new solutions. And this is also this is fun. I think that uh, entrepreneurs, such passionate entrepreneurs like you, they just like the process itself. They are not only, they not only want to achieve the final result, but um, also I wanted to ask you, uh, were you always that passionate or were there any moments of crisis for you when you wanted to give up? You said, I don't want to do this anymore. Something happened. Did you have this moment of, of crisis, of hesitation? Yeah, you know, it's always hard. And, and, you know, now it's not as bad, you know, a decade in, but the first three, four, five years were really tough. And, and uh, for me, one thing that I kind of helped manage my own like personal psychology is that no matter what, by default, I'm going to be working on my best idea as hard as I can. So that's just not negotiable. And I guess, fortunately, I'm not very creative and my only good idea I've had in a decade is Green Pal. Uh, you know, the Uber for lawn mowing, best idea I've had. I don't have any other better ideas. Therefore, I'm working on this thing as hard as I can. And so once you kind of make that commitment to yourself that you're going to get 
your butt out of bed and you're going to go work on this thing as hard as you can six, seven days a week, then it kind of takes care of a lot of the uh, smaller uh, problems that you face on a daily basis. And, and there's, there's a million of them. They're, they're never ending, you know, particularly in the early days when I was, when I was building green pal, one of our biggest problems was we just could not get people to use it. And I had friends and family that I was like, Hey, I just need you to use this thing. And they wouldn't. And so as time goes on, you face these like disappointments and challenges and like ordinarily you would give up and quit. But if you make that commitment to yourself, it's like, this is my best idea. I'm just going to work on my best idea. It takes care of a lot of that stuff. Yeah, we need to make commitment to ourselves and choose the best idea. This is, uh, I think, a, a challenge for, for beginners that they something doesn't work in the beginning, in the first couple of months, and they're like, okay, it is not working. Let's start with another idea. Yeah. And uh, then in the end, nothing works in the first couple of months unless you actually make a commitment and start with, with one thing. So I think it is really very wise what you're saying about the commitment and what is the most important uh, the biggest thing in business that you like the biggest thing in business that i like is what uh what you become uh through the process so it's like if you're doing business properly you as the founder should evolve every two or three years into a whole new person so so there there's like a ancient japanese proverb that says if if i if i leave a man uh, alone for two weeks when i return i should not recognize him because he he has gained that much wisdom and so like that's like a like an extreme example but I think business is kind of like that. If you're if you're in the game and you're running a business, you're trying to get something going from scratch, you will come you will be completely unrecognizable two or three or four or five years down the road. And so that's one of my favorite things about it is that the business requires you to read books you never would have read, listen to podcasts you never would have listened to, like maybe this one, uh, watch stuff on YouTube that you never would have watched, learning skills that you never would have had any interest in learning. Because in order to compete in the marketplace, you have to level up and learn these things. And so that's one of my favorite things about it is that, you know, over 20 years in business, I have re-evolved and, and, and reinvented myself maybe six times. Um, because the, the business required that of me. And had I been working a job for somebody else, I, I might be the same person I was, you know, 20 years ago. And so that's my favorite thing about business is that it causes you to level up and makes your life and your story interesting. Yeah. Thank you so much, Brian. You're so inspiring. And I'm sure that our listeners learned a lot from you. So if our listeners want to contact you to get to know more about GreenPal, about your plans. You said that you want to expand in other countries. We have listeners all over the world. So I'm sure they're, uh, after listening to you, they are already interested in, in using GreenPal just because you're so inspiring. So where can we find you? Where can we contact you? Yeah, you know, anybody in the United States, uh, that doesn't want to mow your own yard, just download GreenPal in the App Store or Play Store. Anybody worldwide that wants to get at me, just hit me up on Instagram. That's where I spend all my time. Brian M. Clayton, drop me a DM there and I'll hit you back. Perfect, perfect. Thank you so much, Brian, for being so inspiring today. Uh, thank you for being an Ideas and Leaders. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on. I enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to Ideas and Leaders podcast. 
Did you enjoy this episode? Let me know that you listened by tagging me in your LinkedIn profile and using a hashtag ideas and leaders. See you in the next episode.